The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And whoever wishes, let him come. Let him take the free gift of the water of life. Today's sermon text is the reading for today from Numbers chapter 11. I know you can't read that small font up there, but I jammed it all up there just to kind of show you the, the tenor of, of the sermon today. We've got to cover a lot real quick here today on this high festival. I'm just going to accent one line. This is from the English Standard Version. That scene with the 70 elders around Moses about 1,500 years before Jesus was born, he enlisted the help and God's spirit came to them. But to some of them outside of where they were supposed to be after a complaint from a young man and Joshua about those two, Moses basically prays here, would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. In Christ's name, even the sermon title up there on the screens is not only small, but it's in red today, so I'll turn it to white here. What and how and whom the Spirit works. I decided to focus on that from this text, even though there's so much more we could share about the Holy Spirit. I know it's difficult at times, a challenge to get a grip, get an understanding of the Spirit. The third person of the Holy Trinity, uh, truly, eternally God, co-equal with the Father and the Son. The Father we can picture as a father, <laughs> uh, maybe the elderly father, you know, the Wizard of Oz or whatever, you know, that image. The Son came in the flesh, visibly walked among us, easy to understand, at least in that respect. The Spirit, though is by definition a challenge. Even the titles in Scripture, Holy Spirit seems to be the official one. Although some of us remember when, and still in some of our hymns, Holy Ghost was used. More often in Scripture, just Spirit. Jesus called the Spirit the Spirit of Truth. Even more in those discourses the night before he died, Jesus called the Spirit by the title translated various ways, Comforter, Counselor, Advocate. It's a loaded term that says so much we're not going to cover today. But there are more concrete images of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture, of course, at Christ's baptism. There is the Spirit appearing in the form of a dove. In Paul's letters, the Spirit is a deposit of our salvation, a seal of our salvation, and even more concretely, of course, on the first Pentecost, the pouring of the Spirit appeared as, 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 as fire, wind. We've got images even today of the Spirit being poured as, as water, oil, can also be used. But again, today, what, 
how, whom the Spirit works will be the simple three parts of the message today. And in keeping with the slides thus far, I'm going to cram everything onto one. You can email me for a copy if you can't read it from where you sit. And in keeping with scripture, I thought I'd cover the last first. I actually had a guy in one of my congregations named Jim Last, and he always quoted that at potluck suppers. The last shall be first. <laughs> so we'll start with whom. Whom the spirit works. That sounds like bad grammar, right? Whom the spirit works, but it isn't. The spirit works whom. The Spirit works people. I'm so glad we have communion with the Nicene Creed today. We've got that third article. The Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life. That's what the Spirit is working. Whom the Spirit is working life, new life. In baptism, the Spirit comes as the washing of, of, of rebirth and renewal. And so the Spirit is working people, but not just some people. The, the point here today is all people. The Spirit wants to work and create. It is the most blessed thing I have received as a pastor that I can share this without qualification or reservation with anyone who walks through that door or as I go out that door in my life and yours with all people. The Spirit is here for you with no distinctions of race or sin, age or gender. The Spirit is working all to create repentance over sin, faith in Jesus Christ as the Savior, inheritance forever in heaven. You know, each of the three years of our, our lectionary we use, there's a little different theme on Pentecost, like one year, maybe next year, there is the, uh, the, the Tower of Babel as the Old Testament reading how Pentecost is the solution to the confusion of tongues, right, in the Old Testament. Now, on Pentecost, we even heard today how, how everybody heard a united message and came together in that gospel. This year, I think the message is indeed the Spirit here for all people. You see it in Numbers chapter 11. In this scene, Moses prays that all the Lord's people were prophets and that his that the Lord would put his spirit on them. No exceptions. And it's in the Pentecost message from Peter, you heard, quoting the prophet Joel, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. The spirit works whom? Everybody here today. Is the spirit's work but how? How does the Spirit work? There is an order to this and a way. Numbers chapter 11 shows this, and that's why I chose this text. 
There is an order to things here for the Spirit coming to the 70 assistants to Moses. You don't see it so clearly in the, the verses we read, but it was a command of God to gather these, these men around the tent, the tent of meeting where God would appear and his spirit would come. And even in the New Testament. You know those sections in 1 Corinthians where Paul deals with gifts of the spirit? He emphasizes, for instance, with the speaking of tongues. That people should speak one at a time. And in fact, there is that verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let everything be done decently and in an orderly manner. The Spirit works how? Through the spoken word, through the sacraments, in ways God has revealed. And yet, we dare not think that the Spirit can be contained or explained Indeed, sometimes the spirit pouring becomes almost <laughs> messy at times. I heard a great description from another Lutheran pastor about our work together in the kingdom. He said it should be organized chaos. Right? There is some order. God gives. We seek to follow his word. But at times, God does things beyond the boundaries. I wanted to bring into the pulpit today my coffee pot filled with coffee and try to show you how when it's full at our house, five adult coffee drinkers at times in that home, the first cup is, is poured but spills. A little bit. Do you have a pot like that at home? You can't get that first one out without a few dribbles. I did hear an example, though, of something else, chocolate milk. There is an order to chocolate milk. You need milk and chocolate and a container, right? But if you're making it yourself, you also need that other thing there, a spoon. There needs to be some stirring, right, of, of that milk and order to it, but also some chaos. There's a Bible verse, 1 Corinthians 5.19, that says, Do not quench the spirit. That's not talking there about uh, uh, quenching a thirst. It's actually all through the Bible, anytime it occurs, quenching a fire, snuffing a fire. We dare not do that with the Spirit. Yes, God has managed the, the fire of his love to focus it on the cross and through Jesus and his word. Sometimes it blazes in ways unexpected. Expect the unexpected with the Spirit. As the Spirit is working, creating new creatures in Christ, heirs of heaven, working through the Word and sacraments, but in, in amazing ways. What does the Spirit do? It's here in Numbers chapter 10. It's emphasized. Also on the first Pentecost, Moses prayed that all of God's people were prophets. I think prophecy is the primary work God does, Spirit does in us. Now prophecy 
may be an example of something we know, but it's hard to understand because it can be defined in many ways. Literally, the word means to, to speak for or forth God. The very voice of, of God is, is, is shared. And that can be miraculous and supernatural indeed. The inspired writers of the Bible, right? Because we're prophets fulfilled in Jesus. Even after Jesus walked the earth, there were prophets in the book of Acts and elsewhere who did amazing things foretelling the future. But the wonderful message, yes, wonderful message here today is that prophecy can also be mundane and ordinary. Speaking forth, speaking for God. I'll give you an example. Prophecy here today, and you can join in from the King James Version. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's prophecy. Isn't that the voice of God amongst us? With the gospel in a nutshell? Now I know you think I just only quoted scripture. But that's prophecy. We're doing it now. Even in the songs we sing, you do it as you go forth. You're speaking forth and for God as you're quoting scripture, living scripture, showing scripture, singing scripture in your life and seeing it applied. Indeed, that comes back to the original point. The Spirit is working everybody here today and working yes in some ways revealed by scripture but even beyond those in ways we can't fathom working the very voice of God in our lives and not only in you but through you you know Moses prayed here that all of the Lord's people were prophets that came true on Pentecost. As again, Peter quoted Joel chapter 2, your sons, your daughters, male, female, young, old, shall prophesy, shall show forth and say forth God's word. There was an older woman who one time was asked about the spirit in her life and where she found the spirit. She answered, I get up in the morning and I read my Bible until I cannot read it anymore. I pray until I cannot pray anymore. And then I sing until I cannot sing anymore. And then I just let Christ's love flow through me. Dwight Moody, the holiness preacher in the 1800s, one time described a strong Christian. It's not that he has more of the Spirit. It's that the Spirit has more of him. 
And indeed, that's whom, how, and what the Spirit works. Amen.